0: the truth news network covid critical race compliance mandates and conflicting stories about it all mask vaccine no the truth shall set you free tnn the truth news network with your host dan newman hey what's this truth thing he's referencing i mean where do we go to find that Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another week of chaos and insanity emanating in Washington, D.C., and it's just getting us all, isn't it? I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope you got to do the things you wanted to do and be with the people with whom you wanted to be. That's what life is all about. Hey, you know one thing that can fix chaos? Just just get involved with your family. I mean, one-on-one conversations. Hey guys, let me uh, help you make a brownie point or two. Why don't you one night this week just tell your wife, hey look, let's just ditch this cooking dinner at home. Let's just you and I, let's just go grab something to eat and go to a movie. Oh yeah, you can go back to the movies now. COVID said it was okay. But do this, spend time this week with those you love, the ones that you see every day You're with a lot. You just pretty much take for granted, and they take you for granted. Don't take them for granted this week. My goodness, the best part of life is who we live it with. And uh, whether it's good or bad, folks, all of us are living with our families in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It may be from long distance. There may be, and in many families, there are a lot of problems, a lot of uh, big personalities that try to dominate a lot of people that just won't even speak back because they don't want to get into conflicting conversations. All of that, it all melds together. We're all different, but we should all be one. So you got that for free this morning. Hey, listen, let me me just give you a heads up about what we're going to have on the show today. It is jam-packed full of information. While you slept... While you partied hardy and you played this past weekend, while you did the good thing and went to church and you had great church services, guess what else was happening around the world and in the United States? Mass chaos, confusion, anger, hatred, diminishing of others, even war. Do you know what's happening in Afghanistan? I mean, the Taliban and the Afghanis are going at it like they probably haven't gone at each other for decades. And why are they doing that? Because there's nobody like the United States there, even in a small, small little group on one base. We're leaving. They know we're leaving. They know that we're bailing. And I'm not weighing in on the should we or should we not be in Afghanistan. I'm just saying that's the cause that's the only thing that's changed it could be the only cause for the chaos over there so as goes in afghanistan and pakistan and that part of the world so goes the rest of the middle east technically i guess afghanistan is in right on the edge of uh, asia but i'm expecting any day not because i'm looking for it but i'm just expecting to have something happen over in the middle east maybe it's from iran Maybe it's from Jordan. Go figure, where are they? Syria, where are they in all of this? Turkey. Folks, there's a lot of chaos over there that we never hear much about or see much about, but that always tends, when it happens and it explodes over there, it tends to affect us in many, many ways. We don't want that to happen, and I'm not saying it will, but I've had in my spirit now for three weeks, I've had this looming thought um. And it's not just a thought, it's an impression. I don't, I don't even really know how to describe it. But something big is about to happen, not on the U.S. platform, but on the world platform. I think something big is about to happen. Have no idea, and I'm not trying to scare you to death. I'm just saying we need to be in prayer that God will protect our nation, protect our leaders, and protect us. We don't need any wars. We don't need any skirmishes. We don't need a Vietnam that for a decade sent our young men and women to Southeast Asia to fight in a war many gave their lives and they never knew what they were fighting for. We don't need that anymore. Do you realize the last war we was in that we were in as a nation was World War II? Now we've had the Korean conflict, we've had Vietnam, we've had Iraq, Baghdad, Uh, twice we've had Iraq, it was kind of Kuwait slash Iraq on the first one, the second one was in Iraq, none of them declared wars and we didn't win any of those, we haven't won a war since World War II, yet we have spent trillions of dollars and several hundred thousand Americans' lives fighting, fighting about what, fighting for whom? That's another story for another day. But let me tell you what you need to do. Um, We're not going to break into the big content stuff for a a few more minutes. People you know, the good friends, family members, you need to get them dialed in on this show. We're going to wait about five minutes before we launch in. So grab the phone, send a text, uh, send them an email or call them real quick. And while we're doing that, uh, I, I had something dumped in my lap this morning. And with everything going on around us, I think we all need to every once in a while get a little chuckle. So I read this and I've already shared it once this morning. I'm going to share it with you. This is not me. This didn't happen to me, but it did happen. And this was written by someone that I know. And it goes like this. So I am at Walmart and I'm scanning and bagging my almost $300 worth of groceries while the Walmart employee that wants $15 an hour monitors me while I'm bagging, and then this happened. Her, why are you double-bagging all of your groceries? Me, excuse me? Her, you're wasting our bags. Me, well, if you don't like the way I'm bagging the groceries, feel free to come on over here and bag them yourself. Her. That's not my job. Me. Okay, then I will bag my groceries how I please, if that's all right with you. Her. Why are you using two bags? Me. Because the bags are weak and I don't want the handles to break or the bottoms to rip out. Her. Her. Well, that's because you're putting too much stuff in each bag. If you took half of that stuff out and put it in a different bag, then you wouldn't need to double bag. Ten seconds of me just staring at her. (laughs) And then me. So you want me to split these items in half, put half of them in a different bag so that I don't have to double bag her. Exactly. Me. So... I would still be using two bags to hold the same number of items. Her, oh no, because you wouldn't be double bagging. Me, pressing two fingers to my left eye in an attempt to make it stop twitching. Okay, so here I have a jug of milk and a bottle of juice, double bagged. If I take the milk out of the bag and remove the double bagging and just put the milk in the single bag... And the juice in that single bag, I'm still using two bags for these two items. Her, no, because you're not double bagging them, so it's not the same number of bags. Me, looking around at about 10 other customers who at this point are really enjoying the show. <laughs> Me, is this like that common core math stuff I keep hearing about? Her, never mind. You just don't get it. And with that, she went back to her little podium so she could continue texting or playing games on her phone or whatever it was she was doing before she decided to come over and critique my bagging skills. That didn't happen to me. But it's not surprising to me that it happened. You hear about things like this happening all the time. People... People are different, folks. Everybody wears a different hat, or is supposed to wear a different hat, and uh, we're all supposed to be in things together. But sometimes you wonder, you wonder, and at the top of all of this, there is one headline of this story: you can't fix stupid. So let's just let's just kind of ease into this this day. This day of hectic things, this day of um, misunderstandings, of anger and hatred and division and divisiveness and fear, we'll just kind of ease right into it. So here we are, it's Monday, August 9th, how do you feel about our nation right now, where we're headed, how we're doing, how our leaders are doing, how our government is doing? You know, As bad as it is, and we'll be talking a little bit about that today during the show, I'm sure you know we're going to be doing that. As bad as it is, it's a lot better here than any other place on earth, right? I think pretty much that's correct. Now, if you listen to the far left, that's incorrect. They want it even worse than it already is. How do most Americans feel about this? So our buddies at Rasmussen, who they're probably the most credible polling agency in the world, they actually got on the phone and talked to a bunch of regular Americans, and they they ask them, how do you think the U.S. is heading? Are they heading in the right direction or heading in the wrong direction? So before I give you the numbers from Rasmussen, what do you think they are? What percentage do you think think we're headed in the right direction? What do you think the number is for those who think we're headed in the wrong direction? If I didn't read this first, I would be shocked when I give you the number. Only 32% of likely U.S. voters think the country is headed in the right direction. 32%. This week's finding is down five points from just one week ago. And this has been the lowest finding since Biden's inauguration on January 20th. What's the other number, Dan? 59% of voters believe the nation is headed down the wrong track. And that's up four points from just a week ago. A year ago, right now, a year ago, 26% said the U.S. was heading in the right direction. 69% said it was on the wrong track. This survey was of 2,500 likely voters, and it was conducted by Rasmussen from July 25th to 29th. The margin of sampling error for the survey is plus or minus two percentage points with a 95% level of confidence, so you can pretty well be assured this is pretty accurate. 32% of likely voters. That's all that think the country's headed in the right direction, while almost 60% say we're... Not doing good at all. Wow. It's amazing, folks, not just where we're headed or where we are, but it's amazing that Americans know it, and yet you watch television, you listen to radio, you read newspapers. They seem to have no clue where Americans are in our thinking about all the stuff that's going on right now. They think they pulled the wool over our eyes, and they certainly haven't. So folks, looking ahead in the show today, the first hour, it's going to be dominated by COVID stuff. And the reason is every day now, four, five, six, seven, eight times a day, we get news and information updates on things that we have been told for a year now are factual, are truthful, are gospel. The what to do's and the what not to do's, what you got to do and what you can't do what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And they keep flip-flopping back and forth and back and forth. So let me tell you what what we here at Truth News Network, what we do in this. We, we just zero in. We don't listen to the chaos. We don't listen to the talking heads. Now, when I say talking heads, of course, I'm talking about the likes of CNN and MSNBC, the three broadcast networks, ABC, CBS. And NBC, and then the Washington Post, the New York Times, we, we will read them and we'll watch them every once in a while just to kind of find out where they are. But we don't use them as a source because they are not a source. I don't have it in my hands. But I'm going to tell you about something that it was actually on TikTok. And somebody flipped it to me over the weekend. I'm not a TikTok kind of guy. Let me think where I got this. Maybe I can pull it up real quickly and give you the accurate stuff on this. This will just take me a second. Um, It was actually a young woman that found a whole series of things that she just flat couldn't believe that she was seeing. And what she was seeing were news headlines. And she actually, she had pulled up a bunch of different... um, Windows on her desktop with the headlines from these various newspapers from all around the world. I mean, Europe, Asia, the United States. And these headlines were from different times, different months, different dates. Uh, But there was a common theme in all of them. And the common theme was simply this. They all had the same exact headline. I can't get my hands on it right off the bat. Dadgummit, I can't. And it's a TikTok video. If I can find out how to download a TikTok video, I'll actually put it on tomorrow's story. I'll put a link to it so that you can go look at it for yourself. But I'm, I'm pretty sure there were 17 different newspapers. And all the headlines said the exact same thing. And guess what the headline said? Brand new COVID cases numbering two. 133 reported overnight now the dates were as far apart as two or three months of the headlines and there were 17 different newspapers that published it one was in Kazakhstan Turkey, Australia British Columbia (laughs) and they all said the same thing 233 cases, new COVID cases reported That's just one little thing that makes you go, huh? But it actually happened. Listen to what's coming out of Israel overnight. One Israeli doctor says that the majority of COVID-19 patients hospitalized at his hospital are fully vaccinated, and those with severe illnesses have also been vaccinated. So this guy's name is Dr. Kobe Haviv. He was talking with Channel 13 TV News. Now let me let me just say this. I know I know the owner of that TV station in Israel. So Dr. Haviv is the medical director of Herzog Hospital in Jerusalem. He said that 85 to 90% of the hospitalizations are in fully vaccinated people. 95% of the severe patients are vaccinated, and they specialize in Herzog Hospital in nursing care for the elderly. Have you said the rising cases of these vaccinated people getting COVID is because the effectiveness of the vaccine is waning. Data from the Israeli Minister of Health last month suggested the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine in preventing infection and symptomatic illnesses has dropped from 90% to only 39%. However, the levels of protection against severe illnesses, 88% in hospitalization, 91.4%, remained high. Now, the Pfizer vaccine has been the only vaccine available for Israelis since it was authorized for use in December last year. However, their government announced last month that the Moderna vaccine would be offered this month to certain people while the Pfizer vaccine would be reserved for those under 18 years old. That's just one story today about this. Another Israel story. Two national news channels there over the weekend presented and analyzed data on hospitalized people and positive COVID cases that conclusively revealed that people who received the vaccine Have exactly the same chance of contracting the virus as those people who have not been vaccinated. Channel 11 KANN News broadcast an analysis of the positive cases and hospitalizations of the previous day in the population over 60. Of the 279 cases of those who tested positive for COVID, 250 were fully vaccinated, 29 were from unvaccinated or partially vaccinated people, probably referring to having received just one dose of the shot. This is how it looks in percentages. 90% of the cases were fully vaccinated. Just 10% were unvaccinated or partially vaccinated. Now they explained that by comparing the entire population of vaccinated people, the same pattern is repeated. 94% 94% of the positive cases are of vaccinated people. So according to this journalist, vaccination has indeed had a positive effect on people that have severe pre-existing conditions. Although he didn't provide data or ex- examples of what those benefits would have been, he obviously was referring to the fact that it stopped fatalities in this group of people. However, the fact that the portion of vaccinated in the 60 Plus population is almost identical to their portion in verified cases. The reporter exclaimed, "It's saying that at the age of 16 above, there's almost no difference between being vaccinated or not. You got the same chances of getting the disease either way." Now, what does this all mean, all mean folks? What does it all mean? Well, let me give you a, a Danism here. When it cracks and waddles, you can pretty much bet the bank that it's a duck. So what's quacking and what's waddling? What's quacking is these vaccinations, if they really are vaccines, and there are a host of medical professionals out there that make it very clear, none of the three that have been approved in the United States, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer, none of those three, is a vaccine. What's in them? That's another story we'll get into today. But if they worked originally, as this story headline reads, the effectiveness of those, especially the Pfizer, the effectiveness is waning. I like that term, waning. Waning. Now, let's go a little northwest of Israel. How about the UK? Yesterday, a UK professor who served as a COVID-19 advisor for the government of the UK, he admitted that a previous prediction he made about a massive surge of the virus over the summer was wrong. And he added that a new lockdown in the UK won't be necessary. His name is Professor Neil Ferguson. He's an epidemiologist from Imperial College in London, and he's an advisor to the government. He said that as many as 200,000 cases of COVID could be recorded per day if pandemic restrictions were lifted across the UK. But he said in a recent interview that his prediction was way off. Why did he say it was way off? due to the Euro Cup finals last month. We had an artificially inflated level of contact during that period and then suddenly it dropped off, he said. Ferguson has sometimes been dubbed as Professor Lockdown because he was really, really out there screaming for social distancing measures that no new lockdowns are going to be required now, arguing that the high vaccination rate contributed to a drop in cases of the virus. He said this, I think it's going to Transition quite quickly in a few months to be more something we live with and manage through vaccination rather than crisis measures. I wouldn't rule it out altogether, but I think it's unlikely we're going to need a new lockdown or even social distancing measures of the type we've had so far. The caveat to that is, of course, if the virus changes substantially. So now we're moving west. We went to Israel. We went to the U.K., Let's go to the U.S. and let's skip across to the uh, uh, the southwest. How about Colorado? The CDC on Friday updated a Colorado county where vaccines were not so effective against this Delta variant. Mesa County of Colorado was one of the early places hit by the Delta variant. Now the new release by the CDC says it has more breakthrough cases than the other places in Colorado. According to the CDC report, vaccine effectiveness measured in Mesa County was only 78%, 11% lower than the stats found in other Colorado counties. The study also noted the breakthrough cases in the over 65s in Mesa were 10.1% higher than the rest of uh, Colorado. From that number, the agency said the vaccines may not be too protective against symptomatic infection with the Delta variant and continued to advise enhanced mitigation strategies, including masking, in indoor settings. But the report didn't include the proportions of infections between the counties unvaccinated and vaccinated patients now when the CDC when they issue one of these reports and they leave something out that you and I would say well what's 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 the comparison between infections of the unvaccinated and the vaccinated that would be one that you would think the CDC would put in every report whenever they leave something out it's because they don't want you to know what the numbers are you want me to give you the numbers If you were vaccinated in Mesa County, you were twice as likely to get COVID than if you hadn't even received a vaccine at all. I'm not saying the CDC left that out on purpose. I'm just saying, hmm, it could. And then I don't have the answer for why did they leave it out. Let's go back to Europe the director of the Pathological Institute at the University of Heidelberg, Dr. Peter Schermacher, he was alarmed after he performed an autopsy of 40 different people who died within two weeks of vaccination against COVID. Now this is 40 people. Each of the 40 died within two weeks of vaccination. And his findings are this. Schermacher warns that 30 to 40% of these people would have died from rare, severe side effects of the vaccination, such as cerebral vein thrombosis or autoimmune diseases. Not only does he not consider himself anti-vaccine, so you can't throw that sign up, Anytime anybody talks and there's any information included in what's said that may lean towards questioning the vaccine, you're instantly labeled as an anti-vaxxer or one of those Trump monkeys. You're going to hear a story when that term is actually used by an expert. Trump monkeys. You're going to hear that later on. He himself took the experimental drug. And he says he doesn't intend to cause panic with the results of his work as a pathology. But he fears that numerous vaccine deaths go unreported, and the pathologists are not even aware of many possible cases. He thinks that a basic problem is that vaccinated people often do not even die under clinical observation, and he calls for more autopsies of these patients. The coroner doesn't establish the context with the vaccination and certifies a natural death, and the patient is buried. He added, or he certifies an unclear manner of death and the public prosecutor's office sees no external fault and releases the body for burial. Schurmacher also runs a state-subsidized COVID deceased person's autopsy project and his reputation in Germany is unblemished. In fact, the Federal Association of Pathologists had already called in March in a letter to Health Minister Jen Spahn for widespread autopsies of people after their post-vaccination death, but the ministry didn't return any response to that request. So as soon as this Dr. Schermacher published his results, government authorities denied it without providing any data, but many of his colleagues immediately backed him up. In response to some colleagues who criticized him, Schermacher said, The colleagues are definitely wrong because they can't assess this specific question competently. For its part, the Federal Association of German Pathologists stated that more autopsies of disease vaccinees should be performed within a certain period of time after vaccination. And it just gets deeper. (laughs) It gets deeper and deeper and deeper before we take our first break. I cannot leave this segment without bringing this information to you. Moderna and Pfizer, two of the big three in this whole thing here in the U.S., Moderna, Pfizer, J&J. Moderna and Pfizer, they've been joined at the hip for well over two years on this SARS thing. They were way deep into this, folks, before we ever heard anything about it. In fact, listen to what I'm about to tell you. A patent, 17 different patents, as a matter of fact, were filed on behalf of Moderna. Before we ever even knew what COVID-19 was. You think that's bad? Now, folks, That's you can get that online yourself, the U.S. Patent Office. You can get the search yourself. You can see that. You think that's bad? Let me tell you what's worse. Three days before the first one of those 17 patents were filed, the application was filed, another patent application was filed. And guess what it was? It was for a vaccine to cure COVID-19. And the patent for COVID-19 hadn't even been filed. We didn't even know what it was. When I say we, I'm talking about you and me. Obviously, there are some folks that work at Moderna and Pfizer that did know, and by the way, the CDC. But this also gets worse. The Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine test. You know, this is the question we've all had. Where are the human trials, the exhaustive human trials? We know they had some, but normally when a vaccine's going to come to market, there are several years of random trials, different groups, all kinds of uh, different um, statistics and types of people and categories and all that kind of stuff. And you do a research project on any of the, adverse effects of these things. And usually it takes two or three years. Well, they said, no, we, we just, we just, yeah, I mean, we had to get this thing to the market. People were dying in droves. We had to get them, get them shot so they wouldn't die. So many of them. So we had to cut some corners. Well, they did cut corners, but there's one commonality. Anytime you do these trials, research, human trials, all the data, You keep it all. All the information, you keep it. The Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine test were conducted, as customary, with the control group. Now, what is that? That means it's a group within the trial who were given a placebo and not the test vaccine. That way, you can find out legitimately. Now, the people don't know which one they got in the group. But the doctors who gave them, the researchers who are doing this project, they know who got the placebo, which is basically a sugar shot. And they know who got the vaccine. So they obviously have to keep some exhaustive records to make sure they got it right, right? Well, guess what? During the trial and after the untested vaccines were given emergency use authorization... These two vaccine companies conducting the trial decided to break protocol and notify the control group they were not vaccinated. Are these the ones that got the placebo? Well, almost everybody in that control group were then given the vaccine. Purposely dissolving the placebo group violates the scientific purpose to test whether the vaccine has any efficacy any actual benefit and or safety issues. And without that control group, there is nothing to compare the vaccinated group against. According to NPR, not a very conservative news outlet, I think you can agree. According to NPR, the doctors lost the control group in the Johnson County clinical trial in Lexina, Kansas, and they lost it on purpose. This is from NPR. Dr. Carlos Fierro, who runs the study there in Kansas, says every participant was called back after the FDA authorized the vaccine. During that visit, we discussed the options, which included staying in the study without the vaccine. And amazingly, there were people, a couple of people, who chose that. He suspects those individuals got spooked by rumors about the vaccine. But everybody else who had the placebo shot went ahead and got the vaccine. So now Fierro has essentially no comparison group left for the ongoing study. It's a loss from a scientific standpoint, but given the circumstances, I think it's the right thing to do, he said. People signing up for these studies weren't promised special treatment, but once the FDA authorized the vaccine, their developers decided to offer the shots now. Let me let me make sure I'm clear that you got this. The final FDA authorization and approval for the vaccines are 100 of the time for any vaccine are based on what? They're based on the outcome of the trials. Now this is Moderna and Pfizer. FDA. They're even leaking out now that they are thinking about going ahead. And firmly authorizing the use with no restrictions for both the Moderna, the Pfizer, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccines in the U.S. So just to put this in context, the control group was intentionally lost. And it was lost in the name of, quote, doing the right thing. So there is no way for the efficacy, the effectiveness, or the safety of the vaccine itself to even be measured. There's nobody left within the control group of a statistically valid value to give an adequate comparison of outcomes for vaxxed versus non-vaxxed. Whiskey, tango, foxtrot. This is nuts, folks. And I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because you just can't believe this kind of stuff is happening. And the people in Washington, D.C. that have our lives in their hands, all 330 million of us, they have the ability to control all of the good and all of the bad, unilaterally. They have all of the same information that you and I have. But guess what? They have a lot more that we don't know about that we haven't seen, to which we have no access at all. And here we go, folks. Here we go. The Secretary of Defense announced last week that he is considering unilaterally forcing every member of our armed forces to take a vaccination. Now, we had one member of Congress just point something out over the weekend. Doing so with an unapproved vaccine, our entire military, folks, would be vaccinated. Doesn't care what you are, an admiral, a general on down to a buck private or a seaman. They're going to try to force everyone in the military to take a vaccine. And let me tell you what that is. According to law, that is illegal. Well, then they won't do it. They can't do it, Dan. Let me just tell you what. Is it legal for anybody in our federal government to ignore any laws on the books, criminal laws especially? The Biden administration is doing it from top to bottom with impunity, thumbing their noses at the U.S. Constitution and the rule of law, thumbing their noses at federal laws, hundreds of federal laws and state laws that regulate the control of the immigration system. And then there's this thing of just turning a blind eye to the fact that they're bringing in, knowing for certain, they're bringing in people from across our southern border that many are infected with COVID, testing COVID positive. Do you know that of the children that have been released in the United States that we know about, that we have the ability to track them, 20% of those kids tested positive for COVID after they went to wherever they went to and got tested. What about all of those that didn't get tested? Where are they? How are they interacting in the communities in which they find themselves? Let me just point something out. You know, the number one and the number three states where all these immigrants that come in across our southern border in Texas and New Mexico and Arizona, the number one and number three states that they end up going to? Guess. Florida and Texas. Well, most of them are already in Texas, so they're not going to go somewhere, but they're going to be moved around the state of Texas. And some of those, those ones that go to Florida, they want to go to Florida, guess who's paying for them to go to Florida on buses or planes or whatever? you and I. So where have the two most recent big spikes in COVID positive cases happened? Where did Joe Biden get up multiple times last week and just demean both of the governors of Florida and Texas? And how many of those new cases in those two states lie at the feet President Joe Biden, on his authority, Alejandro Mayorkas, I love to say that name. I'm going to say it that way one more time because I think he's toast this week. Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of the Homeland Security. He's the implementer of let them in, let them in, let him in. Don't test them, let him in. Put them in there. Put them out around the country. Don't call these local towns and cities and tell them you're bringing them. Just go drop them off and then make a phone call when you get there and say, hey, this is so-and-so from uh, Border Patrol. We just left 12 people at the bus station. They're illegal immigrants. You need to find a place for them in your community. How many of those have happened? We'll probably never know, but each and every one of them, folks, is illegal and suborning criminality from top to bottom in our government, law enforcement, Department of Justice, everybody. Oh, in the White House. It's illegal. Welcome to Burger
1: King. Can I take your order, please?
2: I'm here for the most wanted.
1: Sorry, sir. Can you repeat that?
2: The gang known as the Western Whopper.
3: Ah, you mean our new Texas barbecue beef bacon and sweet Carolina Whoppers, right?
2: Yes, I need them now. Try the new Texas barbecue beef bacon or our tasty honey mustard sauce on our sweet Carolina Whoppers at your nearest BK today. Burger King, have it your way.
4: Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months of participating Culligan dealers.
0: If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep, there's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA U.S. LLC. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go To's now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake up wrap with sausage and a medium hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and you guessed it, a medium hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go To's now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary.
4: Exclusions apply. Limited time offer.
0: That's kind of an appropriate sound for this day. A little spooky back there. Carlos Santana, <laughs> Black Magic Woman—the name of that back. I guess that was in 1971, maybe 72. Santana really got big. I, I like that style of music. Um, Carlos Santana is one of the greatest guitarists of all time, rock music. Anyway, they just did some different stuff. Back to business as usual. I got a note from our friend out in Long Beach, California, Peter. Thanks for that information. He sent me that that TikTok video that I talked about opening the show. Uh, I'm going to try to break it down and be able to bring it to you uh, on our website tomorrow. So be looking for it, truthnewsnet.org. And if we can uh, find a way, I'm, I'm not sure how easily TikTok lets you grab their stuff and move it to some other format, which you have to do to be able to post it in WordPress, which is the software that almost every blog in earth history uses to publish blogs. But anyway, we'll keep you posted on that and let you know if that is something that we were able to work out. So do you want to keep going on this? You want to keep going? Do you know who Dr. Peter McCullough is? Dr. McCullough is an internist, a cardiologist, an epidemiologist, professor of medicine. He is the absolute, now listen to this, he is known and noted to be the number one cardiologist in the nation. And in fact, a lot of people say in the world. So he has really gotten in a lot of trouble of late. He he was a uh, professor at, in the Baylor system. And uh, they uh, they pulled a bunch of his stuff off of the internet. And they basically told him to sit down and shut up. Because he is very vocal about all things to do with COVID. And he has been from the very beginning. He was one of the uh, proponents for the use of hydroxychloroquine bake, way back in the beginning. In fact, I'm going to do this. I'm going to play you a soundbite. This didn't come on ABC or CBS, or NBC, MSNBC, CNN, or even on Fox News, guess where this story came from? Sky News, Australia. A year ago, here's Dr. McCullough on Sky News talking about the efficacy of guess what? Hydroxychloroquine.
4: Why do you think there is such a bias about this drug hydroxychloroquine. I mean, it can't just be the fact that Trump talked about it in a press conference. And yet, you know, we hear stories like yours all the time. At the same time, officials, uh, politicians here, laugh, sneer, and try and shut it down? Is there more that there's just a preference for vaccine and elimination in the community and that's what they're aiming for? Or is there something else going on? I mean, I don't know about the medical side of it, but I do know about politics, and it does, I find that fascinating. What is your observation?
5: Well, make no bones about it. Hydroxychloroquine really works. It's the most widely used therapeutic to treat COVID-19 in the world, hands down. The chances that it doesn't work are are calculated to be one in 17 billion. So it's a very useful drug. It's been on the market for 65 years. I've prescribed it for 30 years for systemic lupus, for um, rheumatoid arthritis. We use it to treat and prevent malaria. So it's a very safe and effective medication. India, in in, uh, Greece, it's in their guidelines to use it first line. So there's no controversy over whether or not hydroxychloroquine works. The controversy is on the public health approach to COVID-19. So countries like United States and Australia have completely de-emphasized or almost obfuscated any home treatment. So the public health approach is to quarantine at home and then wait for a vaccine. I think that's been the master plan all along. So early home treatment doesn't fall into that plan. So there's been no research on early home treatment with new drugs. Uh, there's literally been nothing outside of a, a, a public health um, approach for just wearing masks, staying at home, sheltering in place, and waiting for a vaccine. It must be part of a master plan. But I have to tell you, for people who get sick, it doesn't work. Obviously, you want some treatment. And I think, uh, I think that's the big uh, missing public health response. I think historians are going to be very unkind to Australia, Canada. United States, the UK, Western European Union, some South American countries, they're what I call the nihilistic countries, the countries that are offering no home treatment, no advice for patients at all, and creating such a fearful population uh, right now that is just, honestly, the population is so hungry for a vaccine uh, to to just move on. Uh, But the, uh, the, the means don't justify the ends, in my view.
3: So, Peter, just tell us what you think of those um, public health officials who have not only uh, banned the use of hydroxychloroquine, they've also criminalised it in one state in Australia, meaning that doctors would go to jail even for prescribing it. How many lives do you think would have been saved if simply hydroxychloroquine had been an available choice for GPs to use if they decided to? How many lives would have been saved, in your opinion?
5: Well, you know, I had one of the first research investigation of drug applications on hydroxychloroquine in the United States. It was March 26 when I filed it with the U.S. FDA, basically over a weekend. So I've been using hydroxychloroquine as a doctor in research and in prescription now since the onset of the pandemic. Um, it is available in the United States, in some states, but with barriers applied. We never use it alone. Hydroxychloroquine is typically used with about three other drugs. And that's what I did, three other prescription drugs. So it's not hydroxychloroquine alone, but the package of early home treatment is estimated, easily could have saved half the lives that were lost and probably more than half, up to 80 to 90% of avoidance of the hospitalizations. So the public health impact of early home treatment is gigantic. And let me give you an example. In India, where there's a ton of COVID, but they feature early home treatment, the number of deaths per million population in India is less than 100. In the United States, where we have the best uh, healthcare in the world, apparently right up there with Australia, we're all spaced out. We have wonderful lifestyles in America. Our deaths per hundred million, our deaths per million population is 800. Oh, so wow. India, despite people on top of each other, is doing much better. And so I've always had the view that, listen, a lot of people are going to get sick. Why not work with medications or even develop new ones in order to get people through the illness and not have this be something that ravages society?
3: Dr. Peter McCulloch, so thank you so much for coming on, Outsiders, after your run to talk to us. um, If you're right, there are at least 400 Australian lives that could have been saved, probably more, but our chief medical officers believed that they knew better than you know. Fascinating stuff. Thanks so much for coming on, Outsiders, Peter. Thank
5: Thank you. you.
0: That was from November of 2020, and at that time, Australia had 800 Deaths is all they had. But isn't it interesting? We hear that. And where are we today in all of that? In that same conversation. Let me just give you an example. We have a friend um, that went to a hospital over the weekend showing COVID symptoms. They wouldn't check them into the hospital. And all they do is they can tell you without getting into the hospital, you can only be treated for the symptoms. And so what does that mean? You go to a quick care, urgent care, one of those places like that, and you show the same thing. You know, it's uh, uh, if you haven't had COVID-19, it's the same kind of symptoms as when you get the flu. You're going to be congested in your lungs. You're going to have fever, um, a lot of fluid. You're going to feel like crap. And so they'll treat those symptoms, but they, they don't deal with the root causes. Even if they test you so here we are a year and a half basically after this all began and we're really no further down the road than we were then because they are still diminishing and demeaning hydroxychloroquine we have a close friend my wife went to high school uh, with uh, this guy's mother-in-law and she's had lupus since she was young she's been on hydroxychloroquine for decades with no adverse reactions and it has pretty much kept her lupus at bay and then there's crippling rheumatoid arthritis you and I both know somebody that has a really bad case of that that has been dealing with it in his professional life for decades as well and it's worked really well guess what has worked really well For years and years, hydroxychloroquine. Who am I talking about? Lefty, Phil Mickelson on the PGA. But here they are. Answer this. Why the heck are they still to this day? Now, that was in November 20. that interview by Sky News with Dr. McCulloch. They were doing it then. They're still doing it now. Is it because Donald Trump touted it? Well, Trump didn't pull it out of his behind, folks. Somebody gave him that information. Who it was? It it was Dr. Zelensky from upstate New York, a CEDIC Jew that was treating people in his small town using hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc, and it was working. He reached out to the CDC. They wouldn't even talk to him, so he got in touch with the Trump White House, and he passed along all of the test, the results that he had done talk to people, send them all the information, and Trump made a mistake. At that one press briefing with the Napoleon Syndrome Anthony Fauci standing beside him, Trump brought up the term hydroxychloroquine. Fauci went nuts. You can't do that. We That's not been tested for COVID-19. We haven't been able to do clinical trials. It's been out for a long time, but uh, it's worked for other immunological s- situations, never this one. So, oh, no, 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 no. We got to be really, really careful. And they, from the very beginning, they put that out there. The whole medical community, I want to call them the medical industrial complex because that's what they are. They're the ones that sit in the high-rise buildings, different big cities around the world, they're not the people that are treating sick patients. They don't have a clue about that. How many COVID-19 cases has Anthony Fauci worked? The foremost authority on anything to do with infectious diseases, epidemiology, virology, he's the guy, right? How many has he looked at as he walked into a room and treated? Not one. Not one. Dr. McCullough, that's what he does, treats patients. So it's just more of the same, folks. It's just more BS, and I think we're going to continue to get it. And they're ignoring the very obvious things that are right in front of their faces. Typically, folks, people that get COVID and get over it don't get it again. It happens, but it's very rare. People who have recovered from COVID, this is medical. This is fact. They retain broad, and effective longer-term immunity to the disease. And there's a new study out about it. Findings of the study, which is the most, by the way, comprehensive of its kind, have implications for expanding understanding about human immune memory as well as future vaccine development for coronaviruses. Not just this one. For the longitudinal study in Cell Reports magazine, Researchers looked at 254 patients that had mostly mild to moderate symptoms of COVID-19 over a period of more than eight months, that's 250 days, and they found that their immune response to the virus remained durable and strong. 250 days, eight months. The findings are reassuring, especially given that early reports during the pandemic that protective neutralizing antibodies didn't last in COVID-19 patients. That came from Rafi Ahmed, director of the Emory University Vaccine Center and a lead author of the paper. The study serves as a framework, he said, to define and predict long-lived immunity to SARS-CoV-2 after natural infection. We also saw indications in this phase that natural immunity could continue to persist. The research team will continue to evaluate this over the next few years. You can't know for a fact today what a medicine, what uh, result in a human body of a disease infection is going to be a year or two down the road until you get a year or two down the road. We can't use the Moderna and Pfizer researches any of that information because it's gone. They ruined it. We have nothing to compare that to anymore. Now, in this particular study, the researchers found that not only did the immune response increase with disease severity, but also with each decade of age, regardless of the severity of the disease, suggesting there are still unknown factors influencing age-related differences in COVID responses. So they just followed these patients for months, folks, eight months. Researchers got a more nuanced view of how the immune system responds to COVID-19. The picture that comes out of this indicates the body's defense shield not only produces a bunch of neutralizing antibodies, but it activates certain T and B cells to establish immune memory, offering more sustained defenses against reinfection. We saw that antibody responses, especially one particular type of antibody called IgG, were not only durable in the majority of patients, but decayed at a slower rate than previously were thought, which suggested that patients are generating longer-lived plasma cells that can neutralize the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Ahmed said investigators were surprised to see that convalescent participants also displayed increased immunity against common human coronavirus, as well as SARS-CoV-1, a close relative of the current coronavirus. And the study suggests patients who survived COVID-19 are likely to also possess protective immunity, even against some SARS-CoV-2 variants. Oh, no, 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 no. You hadn't heard the CDC even talk about this, have you? <laughs> because it doesn't fit their plan, whatever their freaking plan is. Their plan is to keep Americans in the dark, and they're doing a really, really good job of doing that. And that's not a good thing. It's crazy to me. Craziest to me of all is this is a government entity that you and I basically own, the National Institutes of Health, Centers for Disease Control and Protective Infections, That's ours, folks. Those people work for us. They're on our dime. Yeah, they get some grants, outside grants, from the private sector, but they're government entities. They work for us. And they are barking orders at Americans like we work for them. And basically in everything they tell us to do or not to do, it's led by this. Sit down and be quiet and just listen. We're going to tell you. Well, there's somebody who uh, is stepping up that uh, is taking this head on now, a doctor at Yale. And here's what he's doing He's saying this The CDC is committing one of the most egregious medical frauds of our time, inflating COVID 19 instances in the unvaccinated while hiding COVID cases in the fully vaccinated. As the initial aerosolized bioweapon evades detection, his words, folks, not mine. The continuous release of the spike protein through the savior vaccinations, this COVID-19 testing deception continues to confuse the American medical reaction. So who is this? You see him on TV a lot, Dr. Harvey Rich, and folks, he is a staple in the medical community, in the big time. Yale School of Medicine. He is an expert. He recently called out the CDC for widespread medical fraud in an interview with Laura Ingraham on Fox News. You may have seen the interview last week. The CDC modified the COVID-19 testing parameters for the wholly vaccinated people, cutting the cycle threshold count of that stupid PCR test Only for the vaccinated. One doctor reveals the CDC's testing and vaccination deception. According to Dr. Risch, some months ago, the CDC stopped counting breakthrough cases. We read you from their website when we were tracking the VARES reports and those crossover infections. They only put those numbers up that were reported to them for three weeks, and then they they wrote this. They said, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to report those. They'll just be lumped in with all of the other infections, the, the data that we report there. So why did they do that? You know why they did it. They didn't want people to know that it's prevalent now. If you have the vaccine, you're going to get The vaccine again, if it shows up at your house, and especially if it's one of the variants. So these courses, these cases now, they don't register for the CDC's count. And so the great proportion of cases that they're claiming are in unvaccinated people are fake reports. According to Israel's health ministry, they seem to be a little bit out in front of us, don't you think? According to Israeli's health ministry, vaccinated people account for 40% of new COVID infections. Did you hear that? 40% of new COVID-19 infections happen in vaccinated people. Previously, infected people account for fewer than 1% of new cases. In addition, people who have recovered from a natural illness have a 40-fold higher chance of avoiding hospitalization from future variants. In the UK, Sir Patrick Vallance stated that vaccinated people account for 40 to 60% of new COVID cases, demonstrating vaccinations failed miserably in avoiding serious sickness in the real world. And part of this folks is that PCR test I have a Good, good, close friend, Craig Charles. He's listening sometimes. I don't know if you're tuned in today, Craig. Cincinnati. And he's involved with the company that came up with a test, a PCR test, marketing it in the early going. And they had to stop doing that particular thing. And you know why? Because the test wasn't working. It depended on the way it was being used by the specific doctor that used it and the sample that it was used to analyze. They could change the cycles in it, and I'm not going to dig it in the weeds of that. But if they changed the number of cycles, they could affect, impact the outsides of the result. The result. I mean, they could they could change the result just by changing the cycles in this PCR test. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'll just tell you what the CDC said. The CDC is taking it off the market. It's not theirs, but they're saying we're not going to endorse it anymore after the first of the year. They're going to keep it in tow, in use, the CDC is, till the first of the year. And they announced that they were going to cancel their support of it the first of the year, and you know why? Far too many false positive test results came come from the PCR test that you probably have already taken. The terminology is this, they're frequently falsely calibrated, these tests, at over 30 or 40 cycle thresholds, and it's done to create a false positive. On top of this, the test can't tell the difference between infectious and dead virus material that are in the samples that come from the patient so they can provide a false positive, even if somebody's recovered from the illness and is immune. A lower cycle threshold, 17 is the magic number. But this PCR test, it's calibrated to cycle over 30 to 40 cycle thresholds. And I'm not saying it's purposely being done that way, but I don't know of any other reason why it would be because they know now. And they've known for a while what they were doing and what the results were going to be. How many people, how many people, when they throw all these numbers out there about, oh, there were 100,000 cases confirmed yesterday. You know what big piece of data they're not reporting anymore? At all. Think back. Think back the previous week, 10 days, two weeks. Think back at what you've heard about the case numbers the infections in Florida and Texas and California compared to other states. All you're hearing about are case numbers, case numbers. You know what they're not telling us? Deaths. And you know why? The death rates, the mortality rates continue to go down. So what does that mean? Probably based on the story we just brought to you, it means that the tests that are being used, the PCR tests that are in the marketplace, the only ones that they have to test you with right now that have been approved by the FDA and the CDC, they're producing false positives. Well, wait a minute. You know, my mom got tested positive, but she had, oh, she had fever. She had uh, lungs, stuff going on. She, uh... She was all stopped up and everything. She felt like crud. She had COVID. She tested positive. She may have had the flu. You'll probably never know. We'll probably never know how many of these cases have been diagnosed as COVID-19, how much fear they have put into the marketplace for all of us to digest and process for ourselves, And meanwhile, they're out there dangling all of that over our heads, and they're saying, you got to wear a mask to stop this. You've got to take a vaccination to stop this. Don't worry about any of this. we got your backs. That's who we are. We're the federal government. We're the experts, the CDC. My name is Anthony Fauci, and I have got a direct line to the COVID gods. And I speak to them every day, and they tell me what's going on. Wow. I told you, we were going to dig in and get get some some stuff out there that wasn't going to be warm and fuzzy and feel wonderful, but it's important that we get this stuff out there. So here's what we're facing right now in the nation, folks. We're facing more lockdowns. They want to lock us down again. Not again. And guess who's driving that boat? The teachers' unions. Primarily, the teachers' unions are one to do it. Do you know, listen to this. United Airlines. United Airlines, folks, came out and they've announced every employee of the airline is going to have to be vaccinated. Their jobs are on the line if they don't. So what does that mean, Dan? Well, we do know this. We've given reports here about we've had pilots that died, crews, where you've got a pilot a co-pilot a navigator usually have one other you have four people in the in the cockpit of these jumbo jets in two cases three of the four died within a week of taking the vaccination i don't know which one it was it really doesn't matter it was one of them and so we have an uncertified vaccine three of them they've not been Adjudicated to be okay and go ahead and do it by the FDA. That's supposed to be the magic act that happens. Be approved by the FDA for general use. There's still emergency authorization only under a doctor's care only to be used for emergencies. They blew through that months ago, folks. They're lining you up outside of grocery stores with Tom, Dick, or Harry out there giving you a vaccine uh, vaccination. No doctor around, no nurse around you got to get a shot. Just roll up your sleeve. You'll be fine. Every employee of United Airlines is going to be vaccinated. Head of the the unions, teachers' unions, the big one, she's pushing for every teacher before classrooms can open up for full back-to-school stuff this fall. All the teachers have to be vaccinated. We're headed down a road where they're going to keep us locked up, scared to death. We will be listening and watching and hanging on every word for everything they tell us. Why? Because we don't know the truth. And the people we've turned to to get the truth for years, they continue to lie to us, lock us down, scare us to death, give us shots. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network.
3: So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey,
2: let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale.
3: I say, are you serious? He says,
2: Your place needs furniture, and at this sale you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%.
3: So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere.
4: The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City.
2: Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner, guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples. Make more happen.
4: Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10-10-10. For 10 days, sign up for $10
0: and pay just $10 a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopko.
3: Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you.
0: Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi everybody, I'm Tony
4: Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org.
0: Clarity of thought, clarity of vision, clarity of message. TruthNewsNet.org. Again, Dan Newman. Wow, clarity, clarity of thought, clarity of vision. I'd like to have a little big dose of that this morning. What about you? Let's talk for a minute about this mass thing. You know, we're, we're old oh, circle back. She she was up this week talking about mass stuff again. Circle back, always go back, Jen Psaki. That's her, her favorite term. I, basically, what she's saying in these press briefings is, hey, I don't have the answer, And so I'm going to have to go get the answer. And I know I'm supposed to have the answer, but I don't. Uh, Please understand, I'm a busy girl. But I'll circle back with it later on. So anyway, we're circling back to the mask world now. Well, in the middle of last week, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, a guy that this administration turns to, Dr. Michael Osterholm, He's from the University of Minnesota Center for Infectious Diseases. And the topic came up about mass mandates again. Here's what he had to say about it. He's pretty well in the know. He said, we know today that many of the face cloth wearings people wear today are not effective in reducing any of the virus movement in or out. Either you're breathing out or you're breathing in, he said during an interview with guess who, CNN. We need to talk about better masking. We need to talk about N95 respirators. And I had this conversation with you last week. We have a whole series of tests that we published on our website over the last year and a half, and every one of them, I think there were 13 different ones from different labs all across the world, uh, and in control studies, there wasn't a single mask out there that was effective stopping a COVID molecule other than an N95, but not just a regular N95, the ones that came with respirators. So somebody brought this up Friday in the White House press briefing. And then, of course, Jen Psaki. She weighed in on what the doctor had to say. Quote, Osterholm is not a current advisor to the president, to this administration, to the White House. He doesn't work here. He's a private citizen and a public health expert, but a lot of public health experts are out there speaking, and good for them. I will say that we are going to rely on the advice of medical experts in the federal government on what kind of mask we all should wear, what kind of mask kids should wear, and if they change that advice, then the Department of Education will be working with schools to make sure this is implemented as a mitigation measure. And then there's Dr. Fauci, who is the federal government's highest paid bureaucrat. He said, and you notice I said bureaucrat, he said in February of 2020 that store-bought masks are not effective at stopping coronavirus from spreading. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore, he said, is not really effective in keeping out virus, which is small enough to pass through the material. It might, however, provide some slight benefit in keeping out gross droplets if someone coughs or sneezes on you. I do not recommend you wear a mask. Now that was Fauci and of course Fauci is known for Mr. Anthony Dr. Fauci flip-flop. He changed that multiple times. So let me tell you what I'm going to do in the middle of this conversation with mass stuff. I'm going to I'm just going to back out of the way. I'm just going to totally back out of the way. I'm not going to say anything I'm not going to get on my bully pulpit. I'm just going to give you a link to 47 studies. 47 studies. Different studies, different um, countries around the world, different laboratories, all of them controlled studies. 47 studies on the ineffectiveness of COVID masks. And also, by the way, laboratory tested and proven 32 negative health effects of wearing these masks. Viruses are far too small to be prevented by most masks, except the specialized ones that were created for that purpose and which were far too expensive and complicated for the general public to wear and constantly change or cleaning. It's also widely accepted that wearing a mask for an extended period is unhealthy for the wearer for practical and scientific reasons. Paul Elias Alexander, a doctor, wrote an article for LifeSite that summarizes all of the most prominent and damaging lies that have fueled the ongoing fear prompted a large number of Americans and citizens of other countries to accept the vaccines to return to an everyday life, supposedly. His acquaintance compiled the following list of 47 studies proving that masks are ineffective in preventing COVID and transmission of COVID, as well as a second list of 32 studies confirming health effects of regular mask use, particularly in young children. This is a big deal, folks. It's a really big deal. Besides 47 studies on the mask showing that they're ineffective, the 32 mask side effects and health implications, and they're listed in detail. I'll just give you a handful of them. Deoxygenation caused by a surgical mask during major surgery, structural characteristics on the dynamic breathing resistance of a medical face mask, respiratory effects of using an N95 type mask in pregnant healthcare workers, healthcare providers headaches in the N95 face mask, and it just goes on and on and on. That's the 32, but we're going to post today a list of the 47 studies that prove that masks don't work. They don't work. Wow. So where's POTUS in all of this stuff this week? Where is Dr. Biden? No, I'm not talking about Jill. I'm talking about Joe. He's the president of the United States. He knows everything. They come to him to get answers on all of this. Well, Biden over the weekend is warning us now that the virus knows no boundaries. Now wait a minute, let's put that in context of what we're seeing every day. The virus, COVID-19 Delta variant, he says it knows no boundaries. And he said that. This is you can't make this up. He said that in the midst of him, him personally allowing thousands of migrants to pour across the U.S.-Mexico border without testing, without vaccination system in place. And so, in part, not all, but in part, yeah, the virus knows no boundaries thanks to the President of the United States erasing the boundaries. 50,000 migrants caught at the border have reportedly been released into U.S. communities Some have tested positive for COVID once they get there. McAllen alone, 1,700 of 7,000 confirmed uh, COVID-19 positive immigrants released in the city of McAllen, 1,700 the last week. Overall, more than a million illegals have been apprehended at the border between October of 2020 and June of this year. The virus knows no boundaries, Biden said, at the White House last week, late in the week, and discussing his vaccination efforts, you can't build a wall high enough to keep it out. There's no wall high enough or ocean wide enough to keep us safe from a vaccination and other from the COVID-19 in the other countries. That was a quote. That's him. He actually said, "There's no wall high enough or ocean wide enough to keep us safe from a vaccination." Oh my gosh. And you also know this, that we've vaccinated 350 million Americans. That's 11 million more Americans than there are in America. But nevertheless, the POTUS said it, so it's fact, right? He went through. He continued. Just like the original virus that caused COVID-19, the Delta variant came from abroad. As long as the virus continued to rage outside the United States, potentially more dangerous variants could arrive at our shores again. He's on top of it, folks. That's all I can say. He's on top of it. Let me tell you how crazy this is getting. My favorite name in government, Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the Secretary of Homeland Security. He's the one that has pushed the button for all of this stuff that's happening at the southern border that's opened them up and letting thousands flood across our border, thousands that we know about and probably that many more every day that we don't know about that sneak in, and they just go wherever they want to go in the nation. Why? There's no border patrol. The Biden administration, Mayorkas, has pulled all the border patrol or most of them that are normally up and down the border across the southern part of the United States down there, making sure people don't come in. All of those Border Patrol agents have been called to these immigrant centers because they're so overwhelmed with the population of immigrants, they don't have the manpower in the government to take care of them. So they're bringing Border Patrol agents in. And Border Patrol agents are getting sick and being hospitalized for COVID-19. Biden doesn't have these immigrants tested. This is just flat-out insane. Today, here we are, August the 9th. We're a a year and a half into COVID-19. The Department of Homeland Security does not have a policy, formal or informal, that requires the testing of migrants before they're released into the United States. To date, the Biden administration has only vaccinated a limited number, that's their term, limited number of migrants who authorities have stopped at the border before they're released. The the government said this last week, they are contemplating adopting a policy that requires vaccinating migrants apprehended at the border, but a formal policy's not even been discussed, yet alone announced. Now, put, put this all out there and understand this right now today while you're listening to this show wherever you are in your home you're working driving wherever your government is contemplating a couple of biggies locking you down again just like they did a year ago lock us down stay at home can't go to work They're seriously thinking about doing that and they are waiting for somebody to jump up and say, "Ooh, I'll issue the first lockdown order. I'm serious. They want us locked down. That's number one. Number two is we are far closer than we can even imagine to one day waking up and living in a world where if you want it, if you want to interact with any people outside of the people in your own house. And when I say interact, I'm talking about going to the grocery store, going to a gas station, filling your car up with gas. Going anywhere outside of your immediate home, you have to be vaccinated. Look what New York City already did. De Blasio last week said, "You, you got a restaurant, your movie theater, a bar? People who aren't vaccinated can't access these facilities. You have to be vaccinated. Of course, stupid as he is, he left out a bunch of people that are very important to him. I'm talking about 30% of the African American community in New York is not vaccinated. I'm sorry, 30% are. 70% aren't vaccinated. So, that's a racist, racist rule put out by the mayor. And he's married to an African-American woman. And then what about kids? Young kids aren't vaccinated. They can't be yet. Hopefully, oh my gosh, please God, don't let the CDC allow us to start vaccinating our babies. But none of them can go. So what What does that mean? What, what if you own a restaurant in New York City? Virgil's Barbecue. What does that mean to you? There will be people that won't come to your establishment because they have kids, because they aren't vaccinated, don't want to be, or they're people of color, even more so they're not vaccinated, that they desperately want to be the picture of every town, every city, every borough in the United States. That's exactly where we're headed and talk about the irony of this. Listen to this. Biden was asked over the weekend, what about coronavirus mandates for these migrants before they're released into the U.S.? Mr. President, don't you think that would be wise to do? Well, he didn't respond. And even Jen Psaki ignored a question in a press briefing asking if the administration wants to apply the same vaccine standards proposed for foreign visitors by our government to migrants that are released in the United States. She said that the interagency working groups are developing a plan for international travel, but she did not address the migrants coming across the southern border. And here's her cop-out, quote, given where we are today with the Delta variant, we will plan to maintain existing travel restrictions at this point. So it's been brought up several times the White House, whenever they're asked, they've struggled to even talk about coronavirus-infected migrants at the southern border. And we've given you all the numbers, I just want to point out. They were asked point blank. What do you think about doing this? They're talking about aggressively talking about forcing you and I to get vaccinations. Even in Manhattan, it's already in place. Not yet, I think it's next week. But it's coming where you can't go into a restaurant there unless you provide proof of vaccination. They want that for everybody except illegal immigrants? What's the justification for all that? Why don't we do this? Why don't we shift gears? Why don't we shift gears? Let's talk about the January 6th stuff. You want to do that? Let's talk about that. January 6th, story today at Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. It's about what happened January 6th and what's happened since And I'm not going to go into the story. I'm going to let you do that. We're inside a half hour left in the show. But what I want to do is I want to let you hear what people out there that you probably don't interact with, you don't interface with. I'm talking about people in big-time media, one-on-one. How about NPR. NPR. So what are you talking about, Dan? Do you ever listen to NPR? Do you ever listen to any of their news shows? If you do, do you ever wonder what world they live in and where they get their information from? So there was a conversation about a story that was written, an article that was written by a a hard-left, hard-hard-left reporter in Washington, D.C., And so one of the anchors on an NPR news show decided to bring her on the show and talk about what went on January 6th and what is going on in the Department of Justice. Now, let's put that in context. You do know the FBI is part of the Department of Justice. Just wanted to point that out. Because in the aftermath of January 6th, the Department of Justice slash FBI grabbed a bunch of facial recognition software and went to work and they found over 500 people that were in Washington that were part of, maybe not directly involved or indirectly involved even, but were part of the folks that were at the Capitol when all this happened on January 6th. And so the FBI, they just went out and started arresting people. Now, you hear very little about this in general public, and it's because the FBI didn't put any information out. They don't give it. They don't have press meetings and, you know, answer questions from the media and all that kind of stuff. They don't have to. They're Department of Justice. They can pretty much do what they want. We do know that a bunch of those people that have been arrested haven't formally been charged, they've been kept incarcerated for months. They don't let them see their attorneys. They keep many of them in solitary confinement, only let them get out of their cells for one hour a day while they're waiting to be prosecuted. That's a fact. So in the context of that, what's going on? I thought the DOJ was pretty well involved, didn't you? I mean, we know, when when they say they've arrested 500 plus, I think the number was 511 Think about the legwork that's required to get the information, the evidence and stuff to actually go arrest somebody with. That's a big deal. And we're not talking about people that live around downtown D.C. We're talking about people that came to Washington from all over the United States, even several from Canada. So coming out at the end of this with what's going on, I want you to listen to this NPR anchor, bring this woman on and listen to her explain what should happen and what's happening in the Department of Justice. We're joined
4: now by one of the authors of that piece, a legal expert and former federal prosecutor, Joyce Vance. Uh, Joyce, thanks for being here.
1: Good to be with you, Ari.
4: Uh, Tell us about the uh, evidence and the case you make here.
0: Just point out on NPR these pregnant pauses while they're interviewing people. This is the way they do it all the time. I hate the programming on NPR. Anyway, let's get back to the expert.
1: The argument, I think, is a simple one and it's intuitive. It balances the need that DOJ has to restore its bona fides as an agency that's above the political fray, that doesn't do anything for political reasons, and to balance that very important priority against sustaining the rule of law. And we conclude that in this absolutely remarkable situation where you have every appearance that a sitting president was involved in insurrection, that the Justice Department must fully investigate the facts and the circumstances around that. We don't know. It could it could be that there's investigation going on and that DOJ, as, as it so often does, has managed to do that in secret. But the point that we make is that that investigation must be robust. It must look at a wide variety of possible federal crimes. And if there is sufficient evidence to charge, charges should be brought.
0: Now put that in the context of what I just told you. <laughs> the Department of Justice, in cahoots with the FBI, one of their branches of government, She talks like nothing's happening. We don't know. Are they investigating? Well, we don't know because they don't have to tell us anything. But if they are, we need to make sure there's a robust investigation. And when they find stuff, they need to make arrest. Hey, guess what, lady? They've already arrested 500 people.
4: Yeah, I think it's a very important piece that you write. And politics here are funny and are supposed to have no role at the DOJ. I think everyone's been reminded of that over the last four or five years. Um, And and although it may be counterintuitive, there's evidence that some Biden folks view this as potentially a political distraction or worse for them. Um, But, of course, that shouldn't matter any more than what Trump's political prerogatives and and goals were. It should be independent. I think you and your co-authors go great lengths to look at the idea that if there was this kind of uh, felonious conduct— Potentially, it should, it should be probed. In a related development tonight um, that was breaking just as we were getting ready to come on the air, uh, you have new details about the lengths that were pursued um, to cook the books, to override state results, to try to get some government supporter laundering for some really wacky conspiracy theories. And this comes uh, against the backdrop of people testifying. So um, an outlet has a story here about... Uh, the former Deputy Attorney General Donahue interviewing with the Senate Judiciary today um, and the acting Attorney General doing there in the coming days. Um, Donahue, late December, also spoke with the Senate Judiciary Committee. Rosen is the one on the way. Uh, and this comes amidst basically a lot of detail uh, about a Trump loyalist inside the DOJ um, basically trying to get intelligence briefings or other support for really wacky, unfounded theories, um, and then perhaps even become attorney general himself. Um, What what did you think about all of these news stories?
1: We should be paying attention to this, Ari. This is deeply distressing. This shows that there was a Trump loyalist inside of the Justice Department who had not only fully bought into the big lie, but who is advocating it and advancing it in a very real way. Because if Jeff Clark had gotten his way, then acting attorney General Rosen would have sent a letter to the Georgia legislature directing them to take over the election in Georgia and to compel an outcome for Trump, despite the absence of any evidence of fraud. And it's fortunate, frankly, that that the acting attorney general pushed back, declined to play games with Clark, who was someone who had been an assistant attorney general for the Environment and Natural Resources Division. He had become the acting head of the civil division. He was so far out of his lane asking for an intelligence briefing on ongoing criminal matters that it's difficult to see how that even happened. But it speaks to how much dysfunction there was and how the Trump monkeys were really running the show at that point. (laughs)
0: Oh my god did you hear that last section let's listen again
1: and how the trump monkeys were really running the show at that point
0: okay i wanted you to hear that in the context of it being an npr report remember this they were both talking to people who were listening people that were listening And if I was listening, if I just punched in on the radio and heard that and she or he said what they were saying, I would have immediately punched away because it's it's lunacy. But there are people that hang on every word like that. Every word like that. First of all, did you know that there was fraud, verified fraud, large amounts of fraud that happened in the Georgia election? And she made it sound like that this person, this Trump loyalist in the Department of Justice, like there's no Biden loyalist in the Department of Justice today. I know everybody wants to think that the Department of Justice is full of people that are not political in any way. Every person there is political, always has been, always will be. Every American is is political. You're supposed to be. We all are. We have our opinions. What we're not supposed to do is let our loyalism or our political partisanship affect the way we work, especially when the way we work is about enforcing the rule of law, the rule of law. And we saw a great example of how that worked in the Obama years, right? Oh my gosh. There were loyalists there, but there were not very many, if any, that were loyal to the rule of law and the U.S. Constitution, but they were loyal to Hillary Clinton, and they suborned all of the criminality that took place. The FBI director, James Comey, committed felonies numerous times that he's never been prosecuted for. Nobody like this woman would ever say anything like that but because a Trump loyalist wanted the Georgia legislature to take over the election there. I don't know that that happened, but let me just say this. According to the United States Constitution and the way our elections are supposed to be handled, they made it very clear, our forefathers did, when they wrote the Constitution, that the federal government is not to be involved in elections, that they are to be run totally by the individual 50 states governed by the state legislature. No one in the governments has any authority to do anything involving anything in elections except the lawmaking body of these states. That wasn't what was happening, verified, factually proven in multiple circumstances, not just in Georgia, but in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Nevada, in Arizona, and other places, all of the election rules were being changed for purposes that these governors felt like and secretaries of state felt like they had authority to do. Now, knowing that, and listen back to what this woman was saying, there is no connection with what she said To the reality. There's no connection to the law. And she's a former assistant attorney general. Now, in that 2016 election, 2020 election, who do you think her loyalties were aligned with? There's no question. And if you are one of the 70 million plus that supported Donald Trump, she just called you a monkey. the you know, where I come from, folks, them are fighting words. Because monkeys, they live in circuses, and I don't live in those no circus. I may live in the south, and I may be a redneck or a Cajun, but I ain't no monkey. At Akia,
2: we've been making the best of mobile phones for over 20 years. How did we get there? <phone rings> By putting ringtones in every commercial that make you think your phone is ringing. Whether you have a new phone, an old phone, or just leave it on vibrate, we make sure you always hear your phone in our commercials. It's our way of saying, we hear you. So don't be silenced when opportunity calls pick it up. It's for you. Accio Mobile.
4: We are the law. Accountant. The law accounting. I know what you're thinking. Are we lawyers? Are we accountants? Well, it's a complicated question,
0: probably requiring the services of a lawyer and an accountant. Is that us? Well, what do you think? Seems to me that there's a lot of you out there who might need the use of the law accounting. But that's not legal advice. That's life advice. In fact, we're legally barred from providing legal advice. The law accounting. Officially unlicensed since 2005. Morning
2: face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda.
0: Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is uh, that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks! Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got mace! Ow! are one in my eyes! Quit moving!
2: It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some.
3: Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home.
2: You love chocolate.
3: Mmm,
4: chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding (laughs) M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue.
5: My heroes!
4: M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold.
0: Is flying today. We've got so much that we've covered, but we have so much more to cover, and we only have about 15 more minutes to do it. And I've got a uh, a sound bite that I think I think you really need to hear it. And it's not that long. Let me let me see. It's only it's exactly two minutes long. But what it does, folks, it's uh, it's actually one of Joe Biden's advisors, and he's on a new show. And uh, he's talking about the problems with legislation, the problems we're going through. We still have that thing up there uh, that they fight all the time in the U.S. Senate. And it's not just in the Senate anymore. Everybody in America that's a Democrat is screaming at the Senate, you got to kill the filibuster. You got to kill the filibuster. Well, Democrats. In the past, they have really liked the filibuster when they weren't in the majority because it did what it was designed to do, which is to protect the minority party, to keep the majority party in the Senate from ramming every law they wanted to, no matter what it was saying, no matter if it was good or bad, better for the American population, to prevent them from ramming it down our throats. So this official is talking about the problems we have with getting legislation passed, and he's got a great explanation for it. I didn't want to leave today's show without you hearing this explanation because it tells you a lot.
2: <laughs> I mean, and I don't, that's again, not a joke. Uh, that That's it. I mean, the Biden view, uh, as David put it there, is that, Perpetual warfare is not a sustainable uh, governing strategy. And I understand uh, why a lot of people find that to be an, in, a, a, a vision that is incommensurate with the reality on the Republican side. One of the problems we have in this country, and it could possibly be a fatal one, is that we don't have two functioning parties. This is not a, uh, the both sides yeah. is, is one of our, our besetting sins. It's not true. I get into arguments in, with conservative friends a lot when they say, well, what are, you know, yeah, the Capitol, but what about Portland? You know, and, and, or what about, what about, what about? Well, one party sustained, created and sustained a lie that led to the most direct violent assault on democracy uh, since the Civil War. And that was not the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party could go crazy, but it's going to have to be tonight. Because what's going on with the left part of, that, of, of the conversation is that Senator Sanders and Senator Warren and, and whoever you want to mention are having a coherent conversation about American life and policy. It may be farther to the left and to the progressive side. It may overemphasize the role of the state in the marketplace than people like. But that's a coherent point of view. Anarchy is not a coherent governing strategy weaponizing narcissism for a demagogue in florida or new jersey or wherever he is is not a sustainable governing strategy the president the incumbent president is making a bet uh that he can take that 81 million people who voted for him grow that number by governing in as sensible a way as possible will it work i don't know but i pray it does
0: There you go, folks. There you go. The intellectual side of what we have going on in Washington, D.C. And it boils down to this. There are the us's and there are the them's. And the them's are not part of a coherent political party. There aren't two functioning parties. There's only one. The only ones that or enlightened, the only ones that have the ability or the desire or the hunger or even the capability to govern coherently, his words, are the Democratic Party. I mean, after all, the rest of the other side, they believed uh, the big lie and they suborned an act of insurrection. But the Democrats would never do anything like that. Oh, man, we believe in the U.S. Constitution, the rule of law. And you have this narcissist from Florida or New Jersey or wherever he is. There are no narcissists in the Democrat Party. There's nobody over there that thinks they're better than anybody on the other side. But there's no reason to try to deal with, to negotiate with, or work with those other people because I won't say it, but they're, they're not coherent. They're not enlightened. What I want to say is they're a bunch of, what that other woman call Trump monkeys. That's who they are. Uh, folks, that's exactly what they think about you and me. If you're a conservative, which I am, not a Republican, I'm a conservative. Uh, I'm somewhere to the right of Attila the Hun, I think. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm very conservative. Um, it's just hard to reconcile all of this, folks. It's hard to try to put it in the context of what we are told and what they say when they start doing things and we can see the things they're doing. We're not just listening to the things they're saying. Thank God we have satellite television and we have the internet. Even though much of both is controlled by the hard left, still there's enough out there where we can see both sides of every issue. And I'm going to whisper when I say this because I don't want to hack them off. We're smart enough to figure for ourselves what the truth is and what we see in here. Maybe the conservatives aren't coherent I call what I just said coherent. We are intellectually capable to listen, to watch, to read, to examine facts and identify what's true and what's not and make our own decisions. Now, in the context of what we've talked about all day today, let's just put this out there, folks. Let me tell you where I am in this. I have members of my family that have been vaccinated you do too. Maybe you have been vaccinated and you know what? That's okay. And let me tell you why that's okay. I don't know what's in it. You don't know what's in it. Most in the federal government don't know what's in it. Do you know this? Nobody at any level of medicine, period, anywhere on planet earth, has been able to get, to examine under a microscope and a laboratory, one, they call it, Clean one clean sample of coronavirus, just the virus itself. Now, what does that mean, Dan? It means simply that. They can't get it. The CDC, when they're asked by laboratories all around the world for laboratory research purposes, they tell them they can't provide it. Nobody's talking about that, but it's fact. Nobody can get it. Nobody can actually open one up and see totally what's in it. There are so many things out there like that that have no answers. That's why people want to know. And that's why 60% of the nation, and that includes Democrats, folks, they believe we're not being told everything and want to know the facts. Meanwhile, we have the pontificators and boy, they have field days every weekend. Don't they on the Sunday talk shows? Are you familiar with Sturgis, Sturgis, South Dakota? You know what it is. When you say Sturgis, everybody thinks there's one town, Sturgis, South Dakota, which there is it, but it's a really small town, but they put it in the context of the annual motorcycle rally that happens in early August every year. I've been three times. Uh, it's a great experience, let me just tell you this. If you ride motorcycles, if you haven't been, you need to go. And even if you don't ride motorcycles, you need to go to that part of the world. that The Black Hills of South Dakota and then over into Wyoming, I mean, it, it's beautiful. Mount Rushmore's up there, Crazy Horse, which is a bigger monument honed out of the side of a mountain than is Mount Rushmore. It's just great. Weather's great this time of year, but it's a lot of people that congregate. Now, Sturgis, the rally, doesn't happen in Sturgis, South Dakota. There are about eight small towns that are all within 12 to 15 miles of each other, and everybody spreads out. Now, at nighttime, there are big concerts and stuff that happen in in Sturgis uh, at the Buffalo Encampment outside of Sturgis, and a lot of people are there. But you know what? They held Sturgis last year. Do you remember before Sturgis last year, Dr. Fauci was up on his bully pulpit, screaming and hollering, we got to cancel it, we got to cancel it, we got to cancel it. They didn't have a COVID outbreak at Sturgis. But guess what? Here's Anthony Fauci on Meet the Press yesterday, and he said, well, Chuck Todd first said, you've brought up regionally the South. But out on the plains, the Great Plains stirred to South Dakota, a gathering now of some 700,000 people. Last year, it was a smaller turnout. It was over about 150,000, and it led to a massive outbreak in the Dakotas, which is false. They propagate that because they were trying to justify the lies that Fauci said last year. There was no outbreak. Put that to the side. What do you expect this rally to do to that part of the country? Chuck Todd asked. Fauci, I'm very concerned. We're going to see another surge related to that rally. To me, it's understandable that people want to do the kind of things they want to do. They want their freedom. But there comes a time when you're dealing with the public health crisis that could involve you, your family, and everybody else. There you have it, folks. Forget about the truth. Forget about facts. Live your lives based on partisan thuggery. And to get that, you got to listen to us. That's a wrap, folks. Gosh, this day has flown by. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of it. We're going to dig out those 47 mask studies and publish those. They'll be on the website as soon as we can get to it after we get off the air. And, of course, we'll see you tomorrow right here. Every Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. TNN Live, produced by Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. See ya!